Go with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 14. We are a, a Bible-believing church, a spit-it-out group. Come on, so if you want to bring out your Bible each week, or if you use a smart device to have your Bible, go ahead and do that. I would encourage you to do something else that's smart, and that's turn on Do Not Disturb and tell your mind, Do Not Disturb and stay on this one app or that in your notes app. But take notes today, and let's look at Matthew chapter 14 as we look at the Word of God. It says this, and this is a story about what Jesus was doing, and starts in verse 14, immediately after this, let me back up and give you context, what is he talking about this, he's talking about when Jesus had just turned five loaves and two fish into feeding 5,000 people, and that was just 5,000 counted men. So there were probably over a thousand people present listening to Jesus' sermon. He fed over, uh, I'm not even doing math right, come on, <laughs> there's 5,000. There was over 10,000 people, uh, I did a tithe, come on, anyway. Uh, there were over 10,000 people that he fed with five loaves and two fish. He did something miraculous, same exact day. On the same day, it says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. I've been there before. It's not, it's not the largest lake, but it, it, it was enough that uh, rowing across would have been an easier journey. And while Jesus sent the people home, he, 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 he went up into the hills by himself to pray. If you've ever been to Sea of Galilee, it's surrounded by mountains. So literally, the Sea of Galilee is a lower part. So Jesus is gone up high. He's by himself. He's in peaceful tranquility. Down below, in the thick, thicket of life, it says the disciples were in trouble. How many of y'all remember what it feels like to be in deep trouble? And y'all had one of them moments before where it was just like, I knew things were getting bad, but then you had a revelation that felt more like somebody just kicked you in the gut or punched you in the gut. And you're like, oh, Lord, this is, this is really bad trouble. Like, this is, I don't know how to get out of this trouble. This is, I don't know if God's big enough trouble. Anybody I'm speaking to today ever been in deep trouble before? It says, God's in peace and tranquility up high, communing with God. Down in the thicket of life, we're in deep trouble. We're, in, we're not in tranquility. We're in hostility. Come on. There's something going on, a rumbling, and it literally says the disciples were in trouble far away. Have you ever felt like God was far away before? He's up high having a communion worship set with God. I'm down here struggling in the waves, tossed about, knowing I'm in trouble, feeling very far away. And it says, well, let's watch what it says next. We're going to get into season three, episode eight of The Chosen, where it does a very good job depicting what was going on with the disciples as Jesus was far away and they were caught in a storm. Let's watch this. Simon, 
getting anywhere. The winds are too strong. We should turn back. We can get there. Just keep rowing. Simon, it's the fourth watch of the night, and we've been stuck in the same place for hours.
done for you, girl. That is on. I think they did a great job capturing the emotions of the moment, how they would have been feeling. And I don't know about you, and this is a good reason why you should binge The Chosen at home, and they don't give me anything for saying that. They didn't, they didn't ask that because I'm like watching it, preparing for it, and I'm like some of y'all, when the hand went into the water, I just went, I got choked up by the sink, and I'm washing dishes, and I'm like, why am I crying? Come on, I'm not crying. Come on, get it together. Like, hope none of my girls walk into the room. What's going on, Daddy? Give me a moment. Daddy needs a moment. Daddy needs a moment. I want to preach a message to you today called Walking on Water. Did you see Jesus wasn't the only one who walked on water? Peter also walked on water, and I believe you and I can walk on water to you like liar I've tried it I was a little kid once I did that too how many y'all come on come on own up yeah how many y'all try to walk on water let's do a little pop trivia see if our minds are sharp this morning and ready for to receive the Word of God what does y-e-s y-e-s spell what does y-e-s spell what does y-e-s spell what does e-y-e-s spell ah y'all saw it on Facebook come on yeah Gosh, everybody's sharp and ready for today. I don't know. Should I even try that on the 11 o'clock? Maybe they woke up a little later like, it's E-S. Okay. So. Hey, Jesus makes it very clear. You got to keep your eyes on him. And when you keep your eyes on him, amazing things happen. Matthew 14, 29 through 30 says this. Jesus said yes to Peter. Yes, come. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. My question for you today is when's the last time you stepped out of the boat? When's the last time faith allowed you to go, this is ridiculous, but God, come on, God can do it. I want to challenge you today not to just live into the natural, not just to sink anytime we uh, are, are, are in the water, but to also walk on water. He said, come, yes, come, and he walked on water towards Jesus, and it says, but when he saw the strong wind and waves, E-Y-E-S, when his eyes locked into something other than Jesus, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Many of us can have doubts 
when we start walking on water. I think many of us have walked on water and didn't even know we were doing it. It was the moment where we were going like, this Christianity thing works. Like, oh my goodness, I'm kind of getting it. I'm starting to lean into it more. But we start wondering how long will it last? Do people actually buy it? Other people start being naysayers in my life. I've had people in my life say, I'll believe it when you're still walking it out five years from now. But as long as it's only five days old, I don't know if I believe it. I see a difference in you, but I don't know if I believe it you've had naysayers before you've been your own naysayer before and we start thinking I'm walking on water one moment but I'm starting to look at the winds and the waves this is too good to be true can this actually last can I be a water walker and when I look at what Peter did I have two quick takeaways to start today two quick takeaways to start today number one is that when we keep our eyes on Jesus we can be sure we won't fall When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can have certainty we will not fall. Now, most of us put a lot more confidence in our own hard work ethic, in our own good nature, in our do-goodism, in our character development, in my job, in my bank account, in my portfolio, in my workplace. Our own efforts, can't they be so tiresome, so self-focused, so self-preserving, so at the expense of everyone else in vain, or is that just me? Because my life of trying to keep myself at the top before I had Jesus Christ, my life of trying to appear like I'm walking on water, to, to try to sway public opinion to see that I'm walking on water was so futile. It was so tiresome. It was wearying to the soul, and it was at the expense of everybody else. I wasn't walking on water. I was walking on anyone else I could walk on to appear like I was walking on water. And I have a feeling I'm not the only one. And I'm a feeling if you're not one of those, then you know somebody like that. But can I remind you, Zechariah 4 verse 6 6 says, It is not by might or force. It is not by power. It is not by strength. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord. You want to walk on water, it's not going to be by might or strength. It's not going to be by your power. It's not going to be by optics. It's not going to be by how filtered you made your Facebook uh, uh, picture look or how selective you were when you picked it because somebody else is going, that is the family of all families. You didn't see the other 14 shots where they looked like your family too and everybody wasn't looking at the camera and yelling at everybody else and arguing with everybody else. Someone smile at the camera. Three, two, one. Just all like, that family walks on water. No, 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 no. You don't know how futile of an effort it was to make it appear like they're walking on water. It's so wearisome, and it's not by force. It's not by strength. It's it's by God's spirit. So when we keep our eyes on Jesus, I want to assure you that you won't fall. We learned that from Peter. But we also learned a second takeaway to start today, and that's this. Even if we look away and we do fall, We can cry out, save me, and he will. Somebody needs to hear that today. That even when we do make mistakes, we take our eyes off Jesus momentarily, and we do fall, we can cry out, save me, Lord, and he will. 
Now, this is not a grace card. This is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. This is not, I'll do whatever I want to Friday night because Saturday morning I will get it right again. This is not one of those, but it is a mercy card where we realize that God is ever-present and willing to intercede for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Anybody be thankful for that this morning and give him a shout of praise right now. Because you and I are lost without it. You and I are desperate without it. I loved talking to someone who's getting baptized at the second experience last night. And, uh, and she shared that um, I, I was reluctant to sign up. And I said, okay, tell me why. And she said, well, I wasn't reluctant to give my life to Christ. Ever since I started coming here, I started understanding what God is doing and what Jesus did in my life. And I love that. Why, I said, were you reluctant because you thought by being baptized you are now saying to the world, I will be perfect from now on? She said, exactly. That made me reluctant because I don't know if I can keep it. I said, does your heart want to keep it? She said, yes. I said, you're ready to be baptized. Come on. Because what we are signing up for is a relationship with the Lord, not perfection. Because as long as you have to keep yourself perfect, you try all you want to walk on water, but you're not going to make it much further than Peter did before you start sinking too. Because not only is the world trying to doubt our faith, you'll start doubting your own faith going, this is too good to be true. I can't really be forgiven of such a sin like I have been in. And so we've got to realize that when we, if we do look away and fall, we can cry out, save me, and he will. Big caution to you who tries to live in this camp for a very long time. Because I've met people like that, and I was in this season for a little while. I can't quite get this issue right. There's about 9 out of 10 things that God delivered me from. There's 1 out of 10, and I'm just playing the game of like, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong. Word of caution. You're rolling the dice if you can get it right before crying out to Jesus. I was at two funerals of some lifters in, uh, 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 of some lifters, I'm sorry, I, I said that wrong. Some lifters who come here had loved ones who I was at two different funerals yesterday, and can I tell you, both had the greatest gift you could ever give your family, and that was this, both members knew I know that I know that I know that I know they are in heaven with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They were ready to see Jesus, and God was good to them. You've got to give your family the greatest gift that you can ever give them, and that is I am not rolling the dice with my life, hoping that tonight is not the night that I don't wake up in the morning. Come on, I have given my life to Christ, and I have cried out, save me, and he will. The hand reaches down from heaven, just like the hand that went beneath the water and says, I got you. Hold on to me. I think those are two profound takeaways just to start today. Y'all want to pray and go home? Can't, because I got more. All right, three ways we're walking on water today. Three ways that we're walking on water today. The first one is this, by doing things you're inadequate to do. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, there are three ways you can walk on water today, and that means you too. You will start doing things that you were inadequate to do. 
I don't have time to preach this one, and I'm glad that this coming Wednesday is our first Wednesday experience, which means this room's going to be wide open to everybody, not just youth. Come on. I want to see you here, and I will preach more on number one this coming Wednesday, but you need to write it down, and you need to know about that. We're going to have extended time of worship. We're going to have communion together. We're going to have prayer at the altar. If you need prayer, if you need just time in the presence, if you need encouragement, I would say, if you can, clear your schedule, come out, you can invite a friend, we'd love to see you here. Who's excited for first Wednesday? Let me hear you. That's this coming Wednesday, I'm so pumped. Three ways we're walking on water today. The first is you'll do things you're inadequate to do. The second is doing things doubt wouldn't let you do. Doubt would not let you do this, but when you keep your eyes on Jesus, all of a sudden you overcome. Come on. Listen, I think doubt gets too much playtime in the Christian life. There's too much doubt playing reels in our head, saying all kinds of things. And Jesus spent a lot of scripture time trying to teach his followers how to suspend doubt. I get doubt is real. I get that you doubt yourself. I get others doubt you. But could you suspend doubt for a period of time and just keep your eyes on me and trust me? Peter, could you not listen to the 11 other disciples in the boat going, that's stupid. You're stupid. It's an 11 to 1 competition. You're an idiot. Don't step out. You're going to sink. One voice that matters. One voice that needs to mute all other voices of doubt and say, go ahead and step out. Trust me. Come to me. I will give you rest. I will show off and show out in your life. But we got the constant playing tape. I doubt I can be forgiven. I doubt I can pray in public. I doubt I'll do anything significant with my life. I doubt I could be a leader. I doubt I could be a great mother. I, could, I doubt I'll have a lasting marriage. I doubt I'll ever have money. Fear says, what if it doesn't work? Faith says, but what if it does? Fear says, you idiot. Nobody walks on water. Everybody sinks in water. Faith says, step out of the boat and walk on water. What if I do? What if I do step out and walk on water? For, for me, I'm just speaking about myself, tithing was an issue like this. Where I let doubt have too much playtime in my life. See, when I first gave my life to Christ, I was single, hadn't even met my wife, and I was a college student at LSU, um, uh, uh, had my own apartment with my brother. My brother's watching online. Shout out to you in Louisiana, James and Michelle. And my brother and I were living together. Rent is a very real thing. How many? Come on, holler at your boy. And my... I didn't have a traditional job. I played music in a touring band, and if I wasn't playing, I was running sound for other bands just trying to make enough money to not have what I called a real job, a job that I thought was fun while still trying to put myself through LSU in college. And uh, I can remember when I first heard about giving, I was like, come on, man. I grew, I grew up Catholic. I, I know what giving is. Come on, every time they pass that bucket, I saw my daddy drop a 20 up in there. Come on, that's, that's a high life, driving a 20 up in there. And, and, and so I, th- I was like, that, that's what giving is until I started reading the Bible and someone said tithing. And I was like, why are we talking about laundry detergent? Come on, what's a tide? What's a tide? We, Ocean City? Come on. That kind of thing? A tithe? And they were like, no, a, a tithe. Uh. And I started looking at Scripture, 
Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to, capital M, me. And I can remember doubting immediately. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I doubt I can make it off of 90% when I'm barely making it off of 100%. I doubt this is going to work. But then I read Malachi. And Malachi said, you're robbing me. And the, and the people of God said, when have we ever robbed you? And he said, you're robbing me of the offerings and of the 10% that belongs to me. That's why your whole nation is under a curse. I'm the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Someone say the test. God welcomes the test. And he says, bring the entire 10% to the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Someone say God's house. And he said, then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. If I had my Bible out, I would underline that if I were you. You should put that in your notes. Underline that verse that God says, if you stop robbing me, I will pour out blessing upon blessing. And it doesn't stop there. There's more. Verse 11. I will also stop locusts from destroying your crops. Some of you are like, what the heck are you talking about? Let me give you the PDV version. I'm going to sew up those holes in your pockets. <laughs> Come on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of sewing up those holes in your pockets because I'm going to bless you. And you might think it's just, just an Old Testament thing. Jesus said this in Matthew. He said, you should tithe yes. And so I had to start wrestling with my doubts that, God, how can I make it? And I doubt I'm going to make it. And you're going you gonna to have to talk to the landlord if I don't make it. You're going to have to talk to, to, to the grocery store if the refrigerator gets thin. Come on, you're going to have to do some talking for me. And God, I felt like, said, test me on this. And I began to tithe. And I want to let you know that I, and then when my wife and I met, she was already doing that, have never missed a paycheck to give God, to bring God his first 10%. And we have never been in dire need. If that's your testimony too, can you go ahead and give a shout of praise? <laughs> Doubt says, let's do the math together, Pastor. 100% spent on me plus a, 10%, plus a $10 tip at God's house equals why isn't there ever enough in my life? <laughs> but here's another math. 90% spent on me plus returning 10% to God's house equals I doubt this will work equals yeah, but that's called faith equals it's impossible to please God without faith equals I think I'm making God happy as I step out in faith equals God starts blessing my life in ways I can't comprehend equals I am walking on water today. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Money makes some people a little bit nervous, so let me lighten it up with a Boudreaux joke I once heard. Boudreaux walked up to Pastor Thibodeau one day. Pastor Thibodeau, I need you to pray for me. Oh, my goodness, I need you to pray for me, Pastor, Pastor Thibodeau. He said, what can I pray for? Boudreaux said, well, you remember when I got that job down at the plant? I was entry level. You remember? I was just so glad I got that job. I made $50 a week, and I had no problem giving God $5. 
And then all of a sudden, my boss, he said, I did a good job. And they gave me a promotion. I started making, I started making $500 per week. And I had no problem giving God $50 per week. And, and, and that's my God. But, 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 but Pastor Thibodeau, I'm struggling a little bit because, man, I just got that big promotion. They made me a supervisor, Pastor Thibodeau, made me a supervisor down at that plant. And now I am making five, uh, $5,000 per week, and I'm having trouble giving God his $500 show. Lord, that's a lot of money, Pastor Thibodeau. Could you help me out? Could you? And Pastor Thibodeau said, I, I, I get what you're saying. I know exactly what to pray. And he said, Let, let's bow our heads. And just like a good old Cajun pastor would do, he started out with, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, would you please bring Boudreaux's salary back down to $500 per week so that he could obey you again? Come on. <laughs> Listen, it might not be tithing for you, but the question is still true. What are you doubting God can do? I didn't mean for that to rhyme as good, but that means it was profound. <laughs> might not be tithing for you, but what are you doubting God can do? Because maybe he wants you to step out of the boat and walk on water. In fact, I'd write this down. Stop trusting your reluctance and trust your Lord. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, stop trusting your reluctance. Oh, help me preach today. Say, stop trusting your reluctance and trust your Lord. Number three, and I'm finishing and the band can come. Doing things, walking on water today, the third way we can walk on water today is we'll do things that are supernatural. Now, that word can make some people nervous, but let me just break it down this way. Many of us knows what comes natural to us, breathing, walking, thinking. But also some of the things that come natural to us are anger, greed, pride, divorce, addiction, abuse. They might come natural to us. Now, we don't need to keep eyes on Jesus to do natural things, do we not? We do those things naturally. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus if we want to do things supernaturally, beyond natural. Natural says... Um, everyone gets divorced. Supernatural says, I can be the first one in my, in my family to stay married. Come on. Natural says, people's faith goes only as far as their favorite sin. Supernatural says, I can be a faithful witness until the end. Come on. The supernatural breaks off generational curses of addictions and strongholds. The supernatural sees the prodigal come home when the natural says they're never coming home. Come on. I need somebody to help me out today. Come on. When the natural tries to say there is a natural pattern and you're going to fall into it, the supernatural breaks off patterns of abuse that have run in your family. Come on. It's the supernatural that sees God promises fulfilled and it's the supernatural that experiences the pearly gates of heaven see today you don't have to fear falling when you keep your eyes on Jesus you can actually do supernatural things you start going is this going to last other people are seeing a change in me am I only going to let them down we should stop this before it gets too far I remember God saying, you're going to preach. And I was like, naturally, I'm going to run out of things to talk about. God said, test me on this. Get up there and share what I just gave you. 
As soon as I shared that, he gave me another message. I'm like, how long are we going to do this, Lord? He was like, I don't run out. Will you run out? I don't run out. Will you run out? One of the ways that I feel like people need to know that God is a supernatural God today, let me use sex as an example. Supernatural says you can wait till married, till marriage to have sex. Natural says, no, I can't. <laughs> Anyone not laughing is because you hide it and you thought that before. The natural world says, no, you can't. The natural says, if you're not having sex outside of marriage, you are missing out. You, you're some sort of pure, lost dinosaur, holy roller, and you're the only one who does it, and no one else is staying pure. You're the only one you might as well give in to. But did you know studies found church attendance dramatically increases the odds of sexual satisfaction? And every man just said, hold on, can you say that again? Every married woman up in here whose husband's not with you, like, say that one again. I'm a, church attendance is going up. Because it just, studies have found that church attendance dramatically increases the odds of sexual satisfaction. Natural says you got to watch these things in order to be good. Supernatural says you just got to keep your eyes on me in everything. Do you know it's a statistical fact that those who have sex outside of marriage are more likely to, and, and you can check my work. Statistical fact that those who have sex outside of marriage are more likely to break up and get a divorce. More likely to experience physical abuse. Actually, the odds double. More likely to experience emotional abuse. More likely to experience anxiety and depression. More likely to be sexually dissatisfied, feel guilty and ongoing sexual inhibition, and commit adultery in the future. Now, my question to you today is, was God being a prude and an ultimate killjoy, or was he saying, I know what I'm doing. Keep your eyes on me. I've got your best interest in mind. I'm trying to make sure you don't end up suicidal. I'm trying to make sure you don't have inhibitions you've got to work through. I'm trying to make sure you don't have fantasies and phantoms in your bedroom. I, if you would just keep your eyes on me, I'm trying to help you walk on water with everybody else says it ain't gonna work when everybody else says naturally give up on marriage when everybody else says you are going to be a statistic God says keep your eyes on me Peter and if you keep your eyes on me you will walk all the way to me don't look at the wind don't look at the waves don't look at the storms don't look at what the natural says I'm gonna do supernatural things in you too and you are gonna blow people mind. What's that scripture? God uses foolish things in the world to confound the wise. The wise say, it ain't going to work. People of faith go, watch me walk on water. Watch me walk on water. Not because I'm that good, but because the one I'm locked into is just that good. Somebody give him a shout of praise today. <laughs> Believe it this week. Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. And even us, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus 
people walk on water. Can I pray for you? God, I believe for amazing things to happen. That the things that have been holding us back because we thought we were inadequate, we thought doubt would never allow us to become that person, or because we thought natural is undefeated, but God, you are the undefeated one who does supernatural things. I pray that you unleash dreams, visions in this place, that men become men of faith, that women become women of faith, that we follow after you, that the next generation will keep eyes locked on you and we will be faithful witnesses for you. And if you're in this place and you're praying with me right now or if you're online praying right now and you feel God is moving on you saying, come home today. Just as I called Peter out of the boat and I said, get out and walk to me. I hear God speaking to some today saying, get out of your boat. The natural isn't working. Staying in your boat isn't working. You've tried to row your way to safety. You've tried to fix it in your own effort. You've tried religion. You've tried good uh, people working. You've tried good habits, and it continues to fail. But God is saying today, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will show you the good land I have for you. If that's you in person or online, no one's looking around. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you, but just for a moment, I don't want you to be embarrassed to throw your hand high up in the sky and say, Pastor Drew, that's me today. I'm giving my life to Christ. I see hands already. If that's you, throw your hand up with them too. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands at various places. Come on, church. Give it up for those who are stepping out of the boat today. Let's pray together along with those who raise their hand. And if you raise your hand, just like the woman who got baptized today who said, when I prayed that prayer, it hit me different and it meant something. I believe it's going to mean something for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I give you my life. I know I've made mistakes. I'm so sorry for my sin. And I believe Jesus is the Son of God. When he died on that cross, he died to set me free. And I receive that today. And I praise you, Jesus, for doing what I could not do. I give you all praise in Jesus' name. And the church said amen and amen. Come on, make it loud in this place.